Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shabbat Shalom. What I'm about to share with you later on in this message is a revelation I received after a period of fasting. I've never heard anyone teach on this in my entire life growing up in the church. Therefore, as always, never believe anything your teachers say or me without testing what is said with Scripture. Matthew 28, 18-20 is referred to as the Great Commission, which reads, And Yeshua came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. By Yeshua including the words teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you tells me that his will was for his disciples to pass this great commission to all believers, to, to every generation, to the end of the world. And the fact that he included the words, and Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world, confirms this fact. That means all the things Yeshua commanded his first disciples to do, every one of us are to do as well. So when we are reading along in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first chapter of Acts, whatever Yeshua commanded his first disciples to do, that is what we are supposed to be doing, everything that applies to us. That tells me that Yeshua expects all of his disciples to practice and teach the same strategy for making disciples of all nations. God knows best. Thus, Yeshua's method of evangelism is the absolute, most effective, efficient, and fastest way to evangelize nations. And with that being the case, I got to thinking... God forbid that I try to evangelize any other way than what he prescribed, especially considering the fact that he is Lord. And he, com- and he commands me to go about it a certain way. Therefore, I made it my utmost concern as to what exactly was Yeshua's method, so I could start putting it into practice immediately with the understanding that delayed obedience is disobedience. I thought to myself, Let's come to our senses now and ask the question, what is there to say about my way of evangelizing? I might catch a few fish here and there, and when I do catch some, I essentially practice the system of catch and release because I'm not discipling them. But Yeshua didn't say to make converts. He said, go and make disciples. Yeshua said in John 21, 6, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. So it occurred to me that when you try to fish on the wrong side of the boat, you might fish all day and night and catch nothing. But when you fish exactly the way Yeshua prescribed, the results are net-breaking. What does the Bible say about the first disciples who implemented Yeshua's method of evangelism? The people said in Acts 17, 6, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. 
Recently, I learned that there are billions of people who in my generation have never heard the gospel, not even for the first time. And I thought, I've got to figure out how it only took a small number of the early disciples to evangelize great numbers of people. So I started trying to connect the dots. God said in Ezekiel 18.21, If a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. And I thought, why would God demand the wicked to turn away from all the sins if it wasn't possible? I read in John in 1 John 3, 6, which says, They that abide in him do not sin. Then I remembered what Yeshua said. If you abide in me, you shall bear much fruit. If you put those two scriptures together in order to bear much fruit, you must do no sin. And I thought, could it be possible? Then I recalled the scripture, all things are possible to them that believe. Thus, I concluded so far, in order to do no sin, one must believe you can live without sin. Then I recalled what the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. All meaning everything that God demands of me with a co-op between me and the Lord who strengthens me. Yes, yes. Psalms 106.3 says, Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. I thought when it says they always do what is right, what is right must mean they never sin. <coughs> Psalms 119.23 says, Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. I thought, when it says they do no wrong, must mean they never sin. And Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I thought, how much sin can I regard in my heart for the Lord to still be able to hear me? Then I thought, one sin is still sin. Romans 6, 1 says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And there are literally a ton of other scriptures like this, verses very few that imply we are subject to fail. Then John writes, My little children, I have written these things that you may not sin, but if you do, you have an advocate. Then he talks about maturing. So I concluded from John that believers that believers that are young in the Lord are more subject to falling in sin. But as one matures, are less likely. Then the Bible speaks of coming into the fullness of the stature of Yeshua Messiah. So, where did we ever get the idea that we can't live right all the time by faith in the all-powerful spirit of the living God who resides in us? And 2 Corinthians 11.3 gives us the answer to that, which reads, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Messiah. Yeshua said, as long as you keep my commandments, you can ask anything and it will be done for you. 
That means we can say in the name of Yeshua, be healed, dead rise up, demons come out, and leper be cleansed. And that is precisely what he commanded us to do. But in order for us to be able to do that, God is God has to be able to hear our prayers. And in order for God to hear our prayers, Yeshua said we must keep the commandments. And that means stop sinning altogether. Because this is what he means by keeping the commandments. If a king commands you to keep something, you're not going to give it back to him every now and then. You're going to keep the thing. If it wasn't possible for us to stop sinning, then God wouldn't command us to go perform miracles in his name. Nor would he tell us to go and sin no more. Nor would he tell us to be perfect. Nor would he command us to be holy even as he is holy. Bear with me. Because I'm going to get into how we were able to do just that. The Lord showed me this some years ago after a period of fasting. He spoke to me and said, after you came up out of the water of baptism, I expected you never to sin again. Well, I about fell out of my chair. As I had never heard anything like that in my entire life growing up in the church from the time I was a baby. Then after that, whenever I would read the Bible... All the scriptures confirming what he said to me leaped off the page. But as you can imagine, everyone I knew and every preacher I was listening to kept talking me out of my newfound truth. But the Lord kept bringing me back to this until recently. Until recently, it finally stuck. Yeshua goes on to say in John 15... This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Did you hear what Yeshua said right there? Pay attention. Listen very close. I'm going to read it again, but what Yeshua said is this. If you keep the commandments like I kept the commandments, you shall abide in my love. Here's exactly what Yeshua said. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. But how did Yeshua keep the commandments? We know He kept them perfectly. So what? What is, what is he saying? What he is saying is, we too can keep them perfectly. The Lord help you see this. I could spend hours proving this with so many scriptures, but let me just go ahead and put the nail in the coffin. Luke 649 says, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. You see, that is proof that Yeshua fully intended all his disciples to live perfect so they could be as he is, dispelling the darkness wherever they went. We may not have arrived yet, but this is our potential. And isn't it exciting? To him who has ears to hear, keep listening. Because I'm going to give you enough word to believe as well as implement the power of this revelation. For some of you, let me shatter some more of your theology. Yeshua did not keep the commandments. Yeshua said in John 14, 10, 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. You see, Yeshua was not the one keeping the commandments, raising the dead, casting out devils, and healing the sick. Yeshua said exactly this. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And that's the secret to everything. Yeshua, Yeshua had help. Yeshua had help. And now he is our helper. In fact, Yeshua said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. So, no, so now God demands our cooperation. Yeshua prayed this to the Father in John 17, 23. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. And that is precisely how the apostle Paul told us to live. Paul said in Romans 8, 13, for if you live by the dictates of your flesh, you will die. Yeah. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Do you see that? That is Bible proof that we have been given the power to put to death the deeds of our sinful nature. The Bible is telling us that if you watch pornography, commit fornication, or engage in any sins of the flesh, you're going to die. That's why the world is suffering all kinds of affliction. And if you are bound in a habit of sin, that is proof you are either not saved or that you are a believer that is going to die for lack of knowledge if you don't get your life together. The Bible says sin does not have dominion over saved people. That means if you are saved, you can stop sinning. Otherwise, what hope can we give the drug addicts? Every, everywhere people are suffering, even unbelief, even among un, uh, believers. And in most cases, it's a result of sin. The Bible says that sin brings forth death. Can't you see how absurd it is to believe that Yeshua came only to be able to keep forgiving us time after time when we sin? The Bible says that Yeshua came not only so that we may be forgiven, but it says he came to deliver us from the power of sin in order to eradicate it completely out of our lives forever. If this is not so, beloved, why would God say the following? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 58 through 61 says, If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book, and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. The Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe and lingering illnesses. He will bring on you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not written in this book of the law until you are destroyed. Pray tell me, why would God threaten to severely punish you and even kill you 
for not obeying him if he knows you do not have the ability to obey him? I'm trying to tell you God is not going to command the following without giving you the power to make it happen. Exodus 15, 26 says, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I, God, will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. When you read that, does that sound like God wants us to merely slow down our sinning or stop sinning altogether? According to those verses and others, it is God who brings disease on you by way of the devil. Therefore, if you would like to get well and live, listen to what God says here. Exodus 23, 25 says, So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness from the midst of you. I, God, will take sickness from the midst of you. What God is saying here is that I will take sickness away from you if you will obey me. Because I'm the one that brought sickness on you as a result of your sin. How could God be a just God for bringing sickness on you if you did not have the power to stop sinning? Psalms 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. You see, it's the afflicting that our dear Heavenly Father prescribes that causes us to repent and obey. Isn't that what we do to our children? But once they grow up and God expects us to grow up, we stop afflicting our children once they grow up. And some children learn early to obey. Ephesians 4.27 says, Give no place to the devil. 1 John 5.18 says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps himself and that evil one cannot touch him. Do you see that? That is Bible proof that when you sin, you open the door for the devil to afflict you. But it also says the one who was born of God keeps himself and that evil one cannot touch him. That is Bible proof that you can grow up spiritually to the point where you can stop sinning so the devil can't afflict you anymore. Can somebody say amen? And once you learn how by faith to stop sinning, then you will begin abiding. Then before long, Yeshua said, you will begin to bear much fruit and become a mighty soul winner like the early disciples. Until then, Yeshua has you covered. But I hope you are a fast learner. Otherwise, you could possibly die from all those beatings the devil is going to bring on you. What the Bible is telling us is that demons are nothing but God's evil police force. What they intend for evil, God uses for good. And they can't do anything without God's permission, thank God. So if you ask, how much sin can I get away with? The devil would ask you one thing. 
Do you want me to merely slow down beating you with my club of affliction? Or do you want me to stop? So you have a choice. You can either slow down your sinning to just every now and then, and the devil will slowly kill you with perhaps cancer or heart disease, or you can stop sinning and the devil will stop afflicting you. But choose wisely, because Proverbs 29.1 says, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. And that right there is where the devil says to the demons in his club, who's on duty? We got AIDS, blindness, multiple sclerosis, arthritis, lupus, fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia, I'm a nurse, can say it, train wreck, heart attack, and stroke. And the devil says, train wreck, get on over here and take this boy out. The Bible says that God is long-suffering and patient, but that means he also has a limit. And the Bible says when Yeshua cast the demons out, the demon, the disease is left with them. And some believers suffer affliction illegally because they don't know how to resist the devil. Because Yeshua said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So here comes a demon horde, multiple sclerosis, uh, heart, cardiovascular disease, and lupus, and, all, and they, they, they pick on us and then to see if we're going to accept it. But it, it, and the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so, but if you know how to resist the devil, because the Bible says your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And it says, who resists steadfast in the faith. That means not the day, Satan. I resist you in the name of the Lord. With his stripes, I'm healed. With his stripes, I'm healed. With his stripes, I'm healed. The Bible says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Yeshua said, go and sin no more. He did not say, slow down your sinning to every now and then. His instructions are not called the Ten Suggestions. They are called the Ten Commandments. Romans 2, 9 and 10 says, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Hebrews 12, 14 through 16 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. For one single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Of course, you nor I can keep the commandments. Yeshua didn't even keep the commandments. As he being fully God, the Bible says, he emptied himself to become flesh and subject to sin as he came to be our perfect example to follow. And he said, follow my perfect example, he didn't say try to follow me because he knew we couldn't without help. If Yeshua had kept the commandments, having been made flesh without any help, how could we follow that? The Bible says that there is none perfect, no, not one. God is the only one that is perfect. Therefore, the only way we can live perfect 
is by faith and the power of God who lives in us, enabling us, just like Yeshua taught us. And beloved, if you can believe this is possible, you can do the, the impossible. Yeshua being one of the Trinity said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeshua, the word was made flesh when he spoke those words. So what did he mean by that? Yeshua tells us in John 14, 15 through 17, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Yeshua said in John 6.63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That means, beloved, the Word of God is alive. The, word, the words in the Holy Bible are spirit and life. Yeshua is the Word of God. And if you keep your eyes on Yeshua... The word of God, like Peter, you can walk on the water, meaning you can do the impossible. Thus, Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, can you see, beloved, how Satan's cunning has caused us to drift far from the truth. To bring us so low that we would take God himself for granted. To take advantage of his grace and trample on the blood of the covenant. Deceiving ourselves, thinking we can sin every now and then and not get burned. Searing our conscience over as with a hot iron. Then wonder why we suffer tribulation and anguish. And yet living by faith in the power of the spirit of truth has how it's always been. This is how they lived holy under the old covenant. And this is how they got the prayers answered. As God does not hear sinners. Zechariah 4.6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities has separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Why would God hide his face from us if he knew it was impossible for us to stop sinning? That would be one crazy God. And that means we are crazy to believe that. Psalms 34, 15, 16 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. Friends, Yeshua is our perfect example we must follow. You say, wait a minute, Mr. Wilkerson. I think you're going out on a limb with this. Nobody can live like Yeshua. I never heard anyone preach this before. Well, the fact is I haven't either. But I believe what I'm telling you has got to be the missing link to the victory and power that we all yearn for in our lives to be like Yeshua. 
I just now started believing this way. So I'm excited to see how this works for me. And yes, I'm going out on a limb with this. In fact, the scriptures call him the branch. So get a clue. A branch is called a rod. And Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Hebrews 12, 6 says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So if you want to stay out of the woodshed, beloved, if you are tired of getting spanked, don't just slow down your sinning. Stop sinning altogether. Because the devil is not supposed to be on our back, but under our feet, the Bible says. You say, is there even any human precedent mentioned in the Bible where anyone was able to live this way? I'm glad you asked. Because there is. In fact, the Bible mentions multiple. But just to prove we can live this way as well, we only need one human example. And the Bible says that God emptied himself, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And his name is Yeshua. He's the perfect example, and he is the only one who ever lived his entire life perfect from birth, and he said, follow me. But let, but let me name a few more. Genesis 6, 9 says, Noah was righteous, was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God throughout his generations. Genesis 5, 24 says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God loved him so much he just took him on out of here. And in Genesis 5.22, it says that Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and that's longer than Yeshua lived on the earth. Job 1.8 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Genesis 26, 5 says, Because Abraham obeyed my voice and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. Luke 1, 6 says, Zechariah and Elizabeth, imagine a married couple, were righteous and blameless in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. And Philippians 3, 6 says of the Apostle Paul, as to righteousness under the law, that he was blameless. And the Bible makes mention of many others who perform miracles and signs among the people, and it is impossible to perform a miracle in the name of Yeshua without God hearing you. Acts 19 proves this when the seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish chief priest, tried to cast out a devil in Yeshua's name and failed. So I think I've proven by the scriptures that God does not hear sinners. And yet the Bible mentions many others who God heard and answered their prayers, including Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, Daniel, David, Elijah, Stephen, Philip, Deborah, Hannah, and Anna, just to name a few. And there are many, many more that I don't have time to mention. The Bible says sin brings forth death. And it only took one sin to damn the entire human race. 
And it only takes one act of fornication to be considered a fornicator. And the Bible says fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It only takes one lie to be considered a liar. And the Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. So with all this being said, I hope we are gaining a better appreciation for holiness. The scripture that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness was only meant to be a safety net, never to be taken advantage of. Otherwise, it contradicts the scripture that says, if you walk after the dictates of your flesh, you shall die. First Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore your children. In other words, Instead of studying the word of God as the Bible tells us to do and focusing our attention on seeking and serving the Lord as he commanded, if instead you ignore God's word, you will become ignorant as you waste your time in idolatry on Facebook, secular novels, secular magazines, secular television, secular movies, secular venues, Video games, hobbies, and all the other vain things Satan uses to entertain and distract you, you will be destroyed. Anything you love more than God is an idol. And the book of Revelation says idolaters will have their part in the lake of fire. Yeshua said that he came to seek and save the lost. After he found the lost and saved them, then he gave them this command, follow me. That means copy me. 1 John 2, 6 says, the one who says that he abides in him must live the same way he himself lived. That means we are to live our lives and seek and save the lost. Yeshua said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Thus living the rest of our lives perfect and seeking and saving the lost is the will of God for us. Yeshua said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. But while our feet are on, uh, beloved, we have eternity to enjoy. But while our feet are on the pavement, God requires all hands on deck. 2 Corinthians 5, 11-21 says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry, rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Messiah's love controls us. Since we believe that Messiah died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Messiah who died and was raised for them. 
So we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Messiah merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Messiah has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Messiah. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Messiah, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him, against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Messiah's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Messiah when we plead, come back to God. For God made Messiah who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Messiah. Yeshua said in John 15, 5 through 8, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That means, beloved, if we stop keeping his commandments... We will no longer be abiding in him. That means we will be thrown away, withered, bundled, and cast into the fire. And he is referring to hellfire. The, the apostles said those that did not continue with us, was, it was proof that they were never with us because they left. I hope everybody sees that by now. When Yeshua spoke about the parable of the prodigal son, while the son was going astray, he, he described him as lost and dead. It wasn't until he repented and came back to the Father that Yeshua said he became alive again. So don't take a chance. Some people want to see how close to hell they can live. But the Bible says, don't be like Esau who sold his birthright for one bowl of soup. Do you seriously want to give up your birthright as a child of God for one sin? There's a reason the Bible says, remember Lot's wife. No wonder the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What Paul said to the Philippians is this. Just as you've always obeyed, continue to obey with fear and trembling. Why? Because Yeshua said again, if you do not abide in me, that means if you don't keep on keeping the commandments, if you ever stop keeping them, if you ever walk away from the Lord, you will be cast away as a branch. You will wither, be bundled along with all the other losers and be cast into the fires of hell. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear, lest after having preached to others, I myself might be disqualified or cast away. If it was impossible for the apostle Paul to lose salvation after having received it by grace through faith, 
then why would he say, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified or cast away? Don't you think, beloved, after all the fearful things I've read to you from the scriptures, that we should follow Paul's example and make it a practice to discipline our bodies like an athlete and train them to do what they should? I think so. In fact, the Apostle Paul instructed us to do the, that very thing. In Philippians 4, 9, Paul said, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, you do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Isaiah 66, 2 says, Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, uh, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. And I hope we are gaining a better understanding for why we should all tremble at his word. Yes. Yes. Yeshua said in Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Beloved, do you really want to discover what it means to be found unworthy of Yeshua? Yeshua said in Matthew 10, 39, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. If we want the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to look on us with favor, and we don't want to be disqualified or cast away as a branch to wither, to be bundled, and cast into the fire to be burned, then we must obey our sovereign Lord and keep his commandments without sin. And if you agree with that, say amen. amen. And that brings us back to the Great Commission which is one of the commandments Yeshua expects us to obey and forever keep. And what does it say? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Why? Because God is all about numbers. He created every one of us because he didn't want to live without any one of us. First of all, Yeshua said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And Paul said in Romans 15, 20 and 21, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where a Messiah was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. Then Paul said, follow me as I follow Messiah. That means we, like Paul, must preach where they have not heard the good news. What I think God is trying to convey to us through the scriptures is this. If God himself gave up everything to save us from eternal hell, the least we can do is dedicate the rest of our lives to help him seek and save the, the lost from hell. After all, he said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. Again, Yeshua said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And as the father sent me, so said I you. Then he said, follow me. And that means we are supposed to do the will of Yeshua and not our will. I hope by now we are all on board and can all see that it pays great dividends to serve the Lord. So let's move on to learn exactly how to go about it precisely as Yeshua prescribed at, at, to his first disciples. Because Yeshua commanded his first disciples to pass down to us everything he commanded them to do. 
First, let me start with this. Yeshua said in John 14, 12, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. The question is, what works did Yeshua do that he said we would be doing if we believe? And the following verses I'm going to share with you answer that question. Yeshua said in Mark 16, 17, 19, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. That's you, me. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. But you say, wait a minute. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Then tongues will not accompany you. Because Yeshua plainly said, these signs only accompany those who believe. And please don't pick up a deadly snake. It just means if you accidentally get bit. You will not be harmed. The Bible says, Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Yeshua said in Matthew 10, 7, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now let me ask you, beloved, have you ever in your life heard anyone proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near? I have not. Because we are not following precisely what Yeshua prescribed as to how we should evangelize. Could this be the reason we don't we do not see the same kind of results from our labor as Yeshua did from his. And is this the reason we are not able to do what he commands us to do? In the very next verse, which reads, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, uh, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Seeing that Yeshua commanded us to evangelize exactly the way he instructed his first disciples to, then I hope you see by the scriptures that we too should be proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven has come near, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, and driving out demons. And since we are not, would you agree with me that it's high time we figure out why not? And I think I just proved the why not, as Yeshua demands that we live perfect. So let's get our lives together and live faithful. So we can receive the power to bring in the end time harvest and usher in the kingdom of our God. The scripture says he gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey him. And it was the guys that the Bible says were full of the Holy Spirit that that performed great signs and wonders among the people. When Yeshua healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers and drove out demons, it attracted very large crowds of people. Because when people experience those types of miracles, and when people see or hear those types of miracles, they tell all their family and friends, and everybody else they know. And all those people tell everyone they know until large crowds are generated. Granted, a lot of these same people who experienced or saw the miracles were the same people who cried, He's worthy of death. Nevertheless, the gospel of the kingdom was preached in the most efficient, effective, and fastest way possible. And the Bible says many people came to faith after seeing the miracles, including a large number of the priests. And the Bible says that the disciples who followed precisely the method Yeshua gave us to follow experienced the same kind of results. Mark 16, 20 says, And the disciples went everywhere and preached 
And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was, was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we see that God testifies to the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Bible says after the children of Israel saw all the great signs and wonders God did for them in the wilderness with the great judgments he performed on Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of a cloud by day and fire by night, raining quail and manna, bringing a river of water out of, sick, out of a single rock, etc., that many of them still died in unbelief. Nevertheless, God performs signs and wonders to confirm his word to them that believe. Acts 14.3 says, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And the Bible says, The righteous are bold as a lion. And it says they spoke boldly for the Lord. It's the signs and wonders that help spread the news. It makes a lot of people talk that generates large crowds. This is how two disciples can be sent into a mega city and everybody in the city will hear the gospel in a short time because everybody's talking about the miracles. Again, we know that miracles do not change the hearts of everyone. Because after Yeshua raised Lazarus from the dead, evil people wanted to put Lazarus back to death. Due to the fact his resurrection was causing many to believe in Yeshua. That just goes to show you that not even God can fix stupid. <laughs> Nevertheless, we need to God to perform signs and wonders in order to confirm the message we preach. Because this has proven the most efficient and fastest way to spread the news about Messiah. Still today, healing evangelists fill up large stadiums. It's reported that over 75 million people have come to faith through the miracle ministry of Reinhard Bonnke. Why? Because people go bonkers over miracles. And there are many others that you know and I can name in our modern times who attract large crowds of people because of the miracles that God performs to confirm the word they preach. And these miracle workers are not even Messianic Jews. Doesn't that blow your theology? So why is God doing it for them? Because they are, uh, because they are walking faithfully in all the light they know. The Bible says that nobody is without sin. In fact, the Bible says he that says he's without sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. But 1 John 1, 7 says, as long as you walk faithfully in all the light, you know the blood of Yeshua 
cleanses you from all the sin you are not aware of. They don't know that they are supposed to eat kosher and keep Shabbat on Saturday, but they are walking faithfully in all the light they know. And therefore God hears and answers their prayers. So when they say dead, rise up, they're dead, get up. When they say sick, be healed, the sick get healed. As scripture says, to whom much is given, from him to be much required. Yeshua said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, not a little fruit, so prove to be my disciples. This is the way Yeshua evangelized and it's the way Yeshua commands us to evangelize. Because listen, we've been called to reach the unreached 3 billion plus people who live in the 1040 window too, which comprises the majority of the world's Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus. And we're talking major leagues here. Thus, we are going to need some power if we expect to make any impact at all. The Hindus have millions of gods. That means we're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare out the wazoo. And the Muslims believe that our Bible has been corrupted and changed. They don't believe God has a son. They believe Yeshua was a prophet, but they don't believe he is God. And they don't believe that he died. The Jewish people are also included in the 1040 window. And I think most of us already know pretty much what they believe. Mainly, that our new covenant scriptures are not inspired. In fact, the Orthodox rabbi over the Jewish barbecue some of us attended lately. Praise the Lord. Made that clear to me. And on top of all of this confusion, the devil is now trying to convince the world that all religions lead to God. I had more to say, but I'm out of time. So let me conclude with this. I briefly presented to you the need, which are the billions of unreached people who mainly live in the 1040 window. And I presented to you how we can reach these people by learning to live perfect before God. Billions of people and millions all around us do not have Yeshua. And Yeshua said, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. But the wrath of God abides on him. And what that means for these billions of people is that their house is on fire. The question is, will we ignore the fire and allow them to be burned? Or will we strive for perfection and take up the cross and follow Yeshua as he commanded? Shabbat Shalom. And Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for this word, Father God. We thank you for your precious holy word. And Father God, we pray that you'd quicken it to our hearts. And God, take it from our head to our hearts. And God, give us the hunger and the thirst, the passion and the zeal to go after God with everything we've got to get into heaven without any regrets and to reach our full potential in Messiah. Oh God, we love you. Help us to love you the perfect love and help us to love our neighbor as ourselves, and lead us into all truth. Oh God, reveal your word to us. God, increase the spirit of wisdom and revelation in us. Oh God, that we might come to know you in the power of your resurrection and in the fellowship of your suffering. In Yeshua's name, amen. Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages.